look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle Matters, it's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli, and my co-host here, almost one year older, my friend, Dave Popovich. <laughs> how are you? Well, I'm not so good now that you mentioned that. It's Thanks coming around. Your birthday's coming around the corner, man. It's around the corner. If you look behind, you can see the top of the hill. The numbers are getting big. <laughs> the numbers are big, my friend. Look into your future, well, as I like be- to remind you. That's because your font is on triple size. That's why the numbers are big. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a good show. We've got a good show. It's our last show of the year, I guess. Uh, what are you doing for New Year's? Well, we, I, kids, kids stuff. You're gonna spend some time with the kids. Yeah, I've got That's my awesome. brother coming into town with his kids, and uh, you know, we'll, I don't know whatever the kids want to do. We'll play board games and just sit around. And so when I was a, a young teenager, there was a DJ group that played some music in the city here, and. Uh, they're doing a reunion, a 30-year no. reunion. Well, you've just dated yourself. <laughs> yeah, and so I'm coming back out to see how these guys get oh, back yeah. together, and uh, I'll be providing a lot of these uh, you know, um, medication to help with the old joints and so forth just to make some <laughs> few bucks over the weekend. But it'll be fun to see how these guys perform, and uh, I'm going to hang out with my family. My sister's coming down from Edmonton, too. Awesome. So it'll be fun. It'll yeah, be fun. That's a good, it's, a, it's a good time for family just kind of hanging out. Exactly. All right, so let's talk a little bit about uh, our last year of the sh- uh, show of the year. We're going to discuss some uh, tax changes for small businesses and some ways to minimize the impacts of those changes. Yeah, we're just three days away or four days yeah. away from these changes actually coming into fruition. Right. So be aware of that. We also will continue the tax-saving options by, by chatting about some strategies for high-income earners. There, there's some big concerns about tax being pushed up over the last few years. How do you save on that? We've got a couple of strategies that we're going to talk about. You bet. And we're going to talk about the things that you should ask yourself to determine what you really want to do in your retirement. Remember, we talk all the time about people knowing what they're retiring from, but not necessarily what they're retiring to. And that's a big part of the lifestyle plan. Yeah, but let's first talk about uh, determining whether you're ready to retire or not. I think this is a very important conversation. We have a terrific guest today. Catherine Collinson is a CEO and the president of Transamerica Institute and the Transamerica Center for Retirement Studies, as well as the executive director of the Aegon Center for Longevity and Retirement. Now, she co-hosts ClearPath, which is your roadmap to health and wealth. Catherine, we love having you on the show. Thanks for taking some time with us. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Okay, so um, we're going to talk a little bit about this uh, retirement readiness survey measure. Maybe it's it's a very, very in-depth document, lots of good information. Maybe let's just start there. So what is the retirement readiness survey that you've participated in? What does it measure? Uh, Well, it measures retirement readiness. Uh, The nature of the survey is this. Uh, Aegon, which is based in the Netherlands, and uh, Transamerica Institute collaborate on a global retirement survey. Mm -hmm. Uh, Each year we survey 16,000 respondents across 15 countries to understand how well they're preparing for retirement. And with the eye of identifying opportunities, uh, surfacing issues, and in not only finding comparisons, but how can we share best practices. And what's really, really interesting, historically, countries are approaching, have different retirement systems, but we're all sort of confronting the same challenges and issues. So our goal is to raise awareness and provide people with some action steps. Okay, um, so let's maybe just uh, dig in a little bit here. Um, at a high level, um, tell us a little bit about what you found most interesting in the findings. 
what most interesting is people around the world, including in including Canada, mm-hmm. are concerned about their future retirement. Many feel that they're not saving enough, right. and uh, many are also concerned about the future of their Social Security benefits. Um, each country has its own flavor of Social Security. I'm using the term sort of generically, but yep. the government benefits uh, that are pay-as-you-go systems where today's workers are paying the benefits of today's retirees, those systems are under strain and people are very concerned about the future of their benefits. Not losing them altogether necessarily, but maybe there will be some changes in their benefits, either reductions. Uh, that popped up as a concern that people are concerned they might not get as much as they think they will. Can we spend some time on Canada? On... Pardon? Can we, spend some, can we spend some time about Canada and how we did in the in the survey? Absolutely. Okay, so tell me what you, what you found, uh, how Canada did versus the rest of the world. Well, Canada is doing uh, pretty consistently with the rest of the world. We have this index we call the Aegon Retirement Readiness Index, which measures uh, retirement readiness on a scale from 1 to 10 uh, based on six key factors. Um, and our, our rating scale is uh, uh, anything less than 6 is considered low, 6 to 7.9 is considered medium, and 8, is, eight or higher is considered high. Mm-hmm. Globally, retirement readiness came in at 5.9, which is still in the low. Canada is actually higher than the global average at 6.0, which is just barely in the median ca- cate- medium category. Mm-hmm. Sounds like how um, Dave did in university. <laughs> Just barely above the average. <laughs> oh, you see how this goes, Catherine. Okay, so we kind of snuck into the uh, into the medium category there. Who was the what? What country was the was the most ready for retirement? Well, interestingly enough, we see the highest scores in emerging markets. Um, and I'll also add, it's an online survey, so there is some inherent survey bias to urban centers or Mm -hmm. more, you know, people who are part of the new economy. So, for example, in India, which actually scores the highest, um, we're not able to reach people out in rural areas um, because they don't have computers and many don't even have phones. So the India came in at 7.3, followed by China at 6.7, and Brazil at 6.6. Oh, that's emerging markets. I wouldn't have guessed that. Yes. And, well, and they're, they're fast-growing economies, and one of the questions that we ask is if they feel that future generations of retirees will be better or worse off than the current generation, and those are the countries where we see the highest optimism about the future. Um, and they're experiencing economic growth, very rapid growth, in, in a way that um, other countries have much uh, more developed countries have much more slowly growing economies. Yeah, the, the, I guess the mature. Yeah, ver, yeah. So the optimism I can see for sure. What about the developed yeah. nations? Where where did uh, where, who were the uh, the top end in the developed nations? And if you if you can recall which ones were, I know we were in the median area, but which are the developed nations yeah. were actually in the top end? Okay, the U.S. came in at six point five, uh, Germany at six point one. And then the United Kingdom, uh, in a tie with Canada, at 6.0. Okay. (laughs) And then Australia, (laughs) 5.9. Interestingly, the Netherlands, uh, which is often heralded as having one of the the best retirement systems in the world, they came in at 5.7. 
And then I'll I'll fast forward to the lowest. Uh, we've the lowest every year in the survey that we've that we've done it is Japan at four point seven. Japan is feeling the effects of a rapidly aging population, where there's a far greater proportion of older people compared to younger people, and that is having implications in terms. And they live, they live a real, they have one of the highest life expectancies in the world as well, mm-hmm. and so it is putting a strain on social systems, on employment. Um, and also um, just their economy. They've had a very slow-growing economy in general. Is, is there anything you can put your finger on? So comparing Canada to, say, the United States, um, what would lead – is that an optimism thing, that Canadians are maybe just more pessimistic than Americans are uh, in terms of what that retirement looks like? Or is there some math behind this, if Americans save more money? What would you put? What do you put your finger on to say why the U.S.'s uh, average retiree would be, say – more ready than a Canadian. Okay, well, I will. Uh, I will sort of break it down for you. Okay. Um, and as I mentioned, there's sort of six key questions that, that the index is built on. Um, one is a feeling of personal responsibility, feeling very responsible for having sufficient income in retirement. Uh, the U.S. scores slightly higher in than Canada on that question. Uh, uh, U.S. respondents, uh, 60% feel very responsible compared to 53% of those in Canada. Um, U.S. also scores higher on the level of awareness to need to financially plan for retirement. 47 versus 38% feel very responsible. Um, um, now, and I'm... I've, uh, the next one, and I have kind of a fun one, too, for you. Um, okay. Thinking about retirement planning process, the U.S. scores slightly higher, and I'll, neither country scores particularly well. 23% in the U.S. say their plan, retirement plans are very well developed compared to only 16% of hmm. Canadians. And, um, and with regard to preparations, uh, U.S., again, very few feel very prepared, but slightly higher than Canada, 19 versus 12 wow. percent. And then on track to meet the retirement income needs, uh, um, only 32 percent of, of U.S. respondents compared to 29 percent of Canadian feel they're on course to re, uh, achieve their needed retirement income. Now, one thing that is really one last measure I think is really telling, though, is um, we ask people their ability, self-reported ability to understand financial matters when it comes to planning for your retirement. Uh, 37% in the U.S. say they're very able compared to only 27% to to those in Canada. Um, However, this one has an interesting twist to it. Later on in the survey, for the first time in the history of the survey, with the permission of uh, doctors Anna Maria Lusardi and Olivia Mitchell uh, at George Washington University in the Wharton School, who authored the big three financial literacy questions mm-hmm. uh, like to test one. how much people really, <laughs> their basic financial literacy, like um, even though U.S. say they're very, they're very able, mm-hmm. uh, Canada scored much higher uh, on the big three questions than the U.S. respondents. On the financial literacy, yeah, big three. Yes. 
That's what are the don't uh, we're just looking at the thirty seven percent got all three questions right in Canada. Yeah. When it came to the United States, only thirty one percent got it all right. Uh, then thirty three percent got two answers correct in Canada. In the U.S., twenty nine percent. So. Some of us attended math school a little bit longer than others, I think. <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> oh, that, that's terrific. All right, so there's some work to do here. Clearly, uh, the, the optimism, that's interesting. We'll have to dig a little bit more into that, um, uh, you know, the developed versus the developing uh, world responses to this. But, Catherine, I want to thank you very much for your time today. We, we've enjoyed it, and uh, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks for having me. We've been joined by Catherine Collinson. She's the CEO uh, and president of Transamerica Institute and Transamerica Center for Retirement Studies. Okay, Faisal, we've got to talk about this whole idea of retirement readiness coming up at our seminar, right? Our goal is to take that number from whatever it was, 30-some-odd percent, to 100%. That's our goal, make sure everybody is retiring and ready for it. We're discussing all that, and that will be on Tuesday, January 22nd, 7 p.m. at the Crowfoot Co-op Wine, Spirits, and Beer. You need to reserve your seats, so give us a call, 966-8400. That's 966-8400, or register online by going to www.morethanmoneyradio.com. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Faisal, we're gonna, we've got an interesting show, as we talked about at the top of the hour today, and we've got Jamie Gollum back, back with us today, Managing Director, Tax and Estate Planning at CIBC Financial Planning and Advice. Okay, there's been a lot of tax changes, particularly around um, small business. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's complicated, and we're getting to the end of this year, and there's some things that uh, people need to be aware of, business owners need to be aware of and need to be doing in order to uh, avoid any what could be some very serious tax implications. Correct. Jamie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the tax changes that have come into effect. Uh, maybe just give us a, a quick rundown for our listeners that uh, own businesses, and then we can talk about some of the strategies to perhaps minimize some of the impact. Absolutely. So uh, if you recall back, uh, not, not this summer, but last summer, there were three major changes announced to the, to the taxation of private companies. Um, the first one is the uh, restriction to do income sprinkling, where business owners would pay dividends out to various family members who were in lower tax brackets and, and save some taxes. Uh, that's now in effect for 2018. You can no longer do that with some exceptions. The second one was the passive income limitation, which says that if you're a small business owner and you earn more than $50,000 a year in passive investment income inside of your corporation, then you can lose access to the small business rate starting next year. So that's for 2019 based on 2018 income. There was a third change regarding surplus stripping and converting income to capital gains, but that didn't go through. So we really have two major changes one for 2018 and one coming in on Jan 1st, 2019, that could affect some small business owners. Now, you and, and uh, Debbie Pearl Weinberg put out a report, a CCPC tax planning for passive income, and you came up with five terrific strategies that business owners need to be thinking about uh, as a way to uh, potentially shelter themselves or protect themselves from some of these tax changes. Why don't we walk through them one by one? The RRSP and TFSA contributions, why don't you walk us through that? Absolutely. So we're focusing primarily on the second change, which comes into play next year, which is based on the prior year's investment income. What we're trying to do with this strategy is reduce the investment income inside of your corporation to below $50,000 so we don't lose the small business rate. So first idea, uh, make an RSP or TFSA contribution. We are advising business owners, and in almost every scenario, they should be paying themselves enough money every year so that they can make an RSP contribution and a TFSA contribution. So not only will the money grow tax-free inside those plans, but 
It allows you to take money out of the corporation, which otherwise would earn passive investment income. So really a double benefit there for RSPs and TFSAs for business owners. All right, this one, the second one's going to catch people's attention when I say it. Tax-free withdrawals. Tell us about that. So in many, yeah, in many cases, there can be corporations that have balances, either in a shareholder loan account that can be paid back to the shareholder on a tax-free basis. So it's a way to repatriate money tax-free back to the shareholder, uh, taking money out of the company that otherwise is earning passive income. The other thing that you could look at is the balance in the capital dividend account. If the corporation received uh, proceeds from a, a life insurance policy, which are non-taxable, or the non-taxable portion of a capital gain, because gains are only 50% taxable, that builds up a balance in the capital dividend account. The shareholder can then pay herself a tax-free capital dividend. Again, it's tax-free, but it also removes uh, assets from the corporation that otherwise might be accumulating and earning passive investment income. And then that money could go to a TFSA or an RSP country, whatever, right? You can you can stack, whatever you want. stack them, you bet, okay. So there was also one it. more uh, that you talked about in the, in the article was about the investment strategy. The type of income that you can make in a corporation or in an investment is, is important now. What are, the, what are the ideas that you have behind there? Yeah, so a couple of ideas there as well. If you're looking at investments in the corporation, maybe there's investments that don't generate annual income. So maybe you're looking at equity portfolios that generate a capital gain. Capital gains are only 50% taxable. It would actually take $100,000 of realized gains in the corporation at 50% taxable rate to have $50,000 of passive income. Similarly, with equities, you may not sell them all every year. Hopefully you don't. So you have a buy and hold strategy where you're timing uh, strategically your dispositions of those securities so you're not realizing income every year, putting you offside the passive investment rules. Okay. Let's talk about life insurance. You mentioned that in the article as well. So, again, for business owners that are looking to accumulate uh, long-term capital that ultimately they may want to pass on to the next generations, corporately owned life insurance. Here we're talking about permanent insurance policies, whether it be what's called a universal life or a whole life policy. They have different investment strategies and components um, can be a great asset of the corporation because what the corporation is doing is it's moving income from the corporation into a tax-sheltered life insurance policy. All of the investment returns inside the policy, of course, are tax-sheltered, and this is reducing the amount of passive income that otherwise might be taxable. On death, the life insurance benefit pays out as a tax-free debt benefit, and again, as I said earlier, can be paid out through a tax-free capital dividend to the shareholder. Love it. Now, we on the next segment, we're going to be talking about a couple of structures for business owners. One is what you mentioned in the article, uh, individual pension plan. Let's touch on that really quickly. Yeah, so an individual pension plan, again, is another solution for a business owner that wants to ramp up the amount that she can save uh, for retirement. You might consider an individual pension plan, which is basically a re- like a really good government-defined benefit plan for one person or for one person and their spouse or partner. The corporation makes deductions into the pension plan And again, at the same time, you're moving assets from the corporation into a separate trustee pension plan so that those assets are accumulating income on a tax-free basis inside the pension plan and are not included in the $50,000 passive income limitation. At the same time, you're also building up a substantial pool of assets that can be used later on to provide a defined benefit pension to the business owner. 
So one last question before we have to get going for commercial break here. What are some of the questions that a business owner should be discussing with their investment and tax advisors to maximize these strategies? I think the most important question is take a look at the investment portfolio and take a look at the corporation and their corporation year end and see how much passive income is being generated and whether or not uh, you are concerned that if you have a large portfolio inside of a private company, you could be offside on the active business test uh, starting next year. So again, it's this year's income that will determine your ability to claim the small business rate next year. So I'm thinking primarily of, you know, business owners that are accumulating large pools of retirement assets in their corporations, but that continue to have an active business. That could be an incorporated professional, like a doctor, lawyer, or accountant, or it could be a small business owner that has excess assets that are not being used to operate the business. And, and Jamie, maybe just finally, so we can stress the impact of this, if you've got an active business still and you've got this big pool of, of uh, savings capital that's built up inside your corporation, maybe just give us a summary or a quick explanation of the, the impact it's going to have on how business income is taxed. Yeah, well, starting 2019, if you've got more than $50,000 of passive income, you start to lose the small business rate on a ratio of 5 to 1 until it's fully eliminated if your passive income is 150000 So right now, we have a small business rate, very attractive rate, on the first half a million dollars of active business income. If you start to hit more than $50,000 of passive income in the prior year, which is this year, the next year you start to grind down your access to the small business rate on a 5 to 1 ratio. That's why it's very important to pay attention to passive income for 2018 that could grind down your small business deduction for next year. Jamie, thank you very much. We appreciate always you summing it up for us and uh, making it understandable. My pleasure. Thank you. We've been joined by Jamie Golenbeck, who's the Managing Director, Tax and Estate Planning, CIBC Financial Planning and Advice. And, you know, Faisal, we've got a a seminar coming up, and we talk about we talk about wealth in general, right? We talk about the four buckets for sure, but this is wealth in general. A corporation certainly is one of the assets that many of our clients have, and you've got to be savvy, tax savvy, and properly structured to make sure that your that retirement, you bulletproof that retirement. I'm, I'm smiling because yesterday I posted on my personal um, Facebook page and so forth saying um, one of the biggest expenses you're going to have in retirement mm-hmm is taxes. And so this is very important. We're going to discuss this Tuesday, January 22nd, 7 p.m. at the Crowfoot Co-op Wine Spirits and Beer. You need to reserve your seats. So give us a call, 966-8400. That's 966-8400. Or register online by going to www.morethanmoneyradio.com. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Um, Retirement. Uh, tax changes, tax changes over the past couple of years. We just come off a segment with Jamie and explaining how tax changes have affected business owners. Uh, but tax changes have affected high income earners. So, so let me kind of paint the picture for many, many business owners. Uh, it's been um, tax practice for, I would say, decades mm-hmm. where we've seen accountants give advice that use your corporation as the vehicle to save for retirement. Right. There's sometimes no need to put an RSP. There's maybe sometimes no need to take money out unnecessarily for tax purposes. The government is slowly chipping away at that strategy. Uh, one of them is what Jamie just discussed mm-hmm. at the last segment. Now, there are a couple of strategies that um, business owners, um, high-income, uh, um, big-saving business owners need to be aware of. Yeah, or employees, right? high-income earning employees as well. You don't have to own your own business Correct. for all of this, but there are different strategies now that 
I think we need to educate people on that. They need to be aware of that they can take advantage of to help mitigate some of the impact of these higher taxes. Correct. Right? And, and, and it's not only tax today, mm-hmm. Dave. It's That's tax right. in retirement and how right. you can transition to retirement. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. The biggest expense you're going to have in retirement right. is going to be taxes. So let's talk about two strategies that we've, uh, we are working closely with our clients on uh, and that we would like to educate everybody about how these opportunities work. And so we have Navaz Kasim. He's the president of GBL Incorporated. Uh, Navaz, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me on, guys. Okay, so there are two different strategies I kind of want to focus on. One of them is called a retirement compensation arrangement, and another one is an individual pension plan. So let's break those two things down. What's an, um, a retirement compensation arrangement, or RCA? And then we'll go into the IPP, or individual pension plan, next. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, so retirement compensation arrangement is really a, it's a very flexible retirement tool, and it's a vehicle that allows you to tax shelter large amounts of money. Uh, it's different from an RSP and even an IPP that there's no earnings maximums. So the higher income earners can really benefit from tax sheltering, you know, large amounts of money because they're not capped at that $147,000 limit that you're that, you know, regular defined benefit plans or RSPs or anything like that have. Uh, so this, very... yeah, this is targeting, uh, this is targeting high income earners. What's, so the flexibility, and we're not going to be able to do it justice in the time we have today, um, but let's talk a little bit about um, if you're listening, what kind of person benefits from this? If somebody's listening to this, who should be thinking about this? So definitely high income earners. We say anybody over $150,000 of income. Uh, somebody actually utilizing retirement savings. You know, that's the first step. Uh, it's flexible in terms of it's a pay-as-you-go strategy. So it's designed as a defined benefit plan, but the idea is you can fund it as you see fit. So that makes it really flexible for business owners, for employers, uh, for anyone, especially when, you know, earnings might be hit or miss between the years, uh, us being in the oil patch with the ups and downs. So it really creates that, that large flexibility. Now, Navaz, we've got to be clear about this. It's... Um there are some rules around what money can go into this. So if you're making 150 or 200 or 300 thousand dollars a year, it's not you can just direct willy nilly whatever money you want to go into that. There are some rules around this as to what can be contributed and what can't. Again, can't do it justice in the time. But give us a sort of a framework of of you know what could be funded, what could go into a retirement compensation arrangement. Okay, so it's uh, it, it, we would design it based on a two percent defined benefit plan with certain assumptions. Uh, but if you're making $150,000 a year, you know, those contribution amounts could be north of at least $40,000 a year, you know, regardless of your age. So it really makes it a lot more viable tool than an RSP. Uh, as your earnings increase, obviously, those amounts just skyrocket. Uh, it takes into account your best three years of earnings. So, you know, if you've had lower income earning years, we don't have to utilize those. So you can really benefit in that sense. It is it is credit protected as well. Mm-hmm. So you do have that, you know, as a business owner, as an employee, or anybody who has an RCA, if if something does happen, at least your your retirement assets are protected. Now, Navaz, I might have missed this. The contribution that's made into this RCA is a deduction to the company, correct? Correct, yes. 100% okay. of everything going in is a deduction to the company. Okay, so that's the most flexible plan that we, we have seen with uh, with business owners and key employees that may be able to uh, appreciate this type of, mm-hmm. uh, of, an, of a strategy. Uh, there's another one which may not be as flexible, but is still a good strategy out there that's known as the individual pension plan. Navaz, give us some details of what it is and who does it benefit. 
Okay, so the individual pension plan is like a supersized RSP. Uh, it really benefits business owners. That includes, you know, professional corporations. And really it allows you to put up to 62% more in than a regular RSP. You know, you get benefits of having your business for a few years and you set one up now. You can capitalize on those on those years that you've had your comp that you've had your company, uh, so you can make large contributions for past service. Again, it is creditor protected, so it has a lot of the bells and whistles. You know, we see defined benefit in the news all the time, and we see it's expensive. So this is really because it's so expensive. It allows business owners to pull a lot of money out of the corporation. And what a lot of people don't know is that individual pension plans for connected employees, so, you know, you own at least 10% of your company, it's flexible. So there's no mandated funding. You know, in the news we see a lot of negative stereotypes that all these companies have to keep funding their pension obligations and they're having issues. And, well, no, in an IPP you don't have that. If you don't, if you don't want to fund, you don't have to fund. So it's got the huge flexibility of, a, you know, an RSP, but the increased contribution amounts because it's an IPP. And you're saying when you say the word expensive, uh, business owners shouldn't hear it perhaps the way they're hearing it. When you say expensive, it's based on the actuarial assumptions. Return uh, assumptions today allows business owners to fund, to take a tremendous amount of money out of the corporation to fund these IPPs based on those pension actuarial assumptions, correct? Correct, yes, correct. Yeah. Okay. Maybe expensive wasn't the right term. You're right. So, so Nevaz, let's, let's talk about setting up this, these two different strategies the retirement compensation arrangement, what does a individual or business owner have to go through? What steps do they have to take to set one up? So it's pretty, uh, it's, it's fairly simple for the retirement compensation arrangement. Um, we do a, an actuarial certificate uh, for the RCA. We submit all the filings to CRA. Uh, we set up the plan, and then at that point, it's really, once it's set up, it's a matter of just contribution amounts. And they just write checks. The company just writes tax-deductible contribution amounts to the plan, and then the assets are held in trust and managed by yourselves. Uh, so the, the employee, at the end of the day, or the employer, or the, or the business owner, always has control of the assets. And what about an individual pension plan? So individual pension plan is very similar as well. We file with the regulator. Um, it takes about a month, you know, to get to get our deemed approval. Uh, and at that point, they can start funding the individual pension plan. And again, the assets are held... Um, you know, with with yourselves, and the employee really decides what they want to do with it. So we would manage the vehicle and make sure that, you know, they benefit from the increased contribution amounts, but it really gives them flexibility, and it's their money at the end of the day. From your practice right now, what are you seeing as the trend? Are we seeing more retirement compensation arrangements? Are you seeing more individual pension plans coming on board? Um, you've seen a, a big growth in your in your business on, the, on this type of stuff. So where's where's the trend going? So in, um, for business owners, we've seen a huge push on the individual pension plan, especially, you know, in Alberta and B.C. where tax rates, you know, were, were mm-hmm. approaching 50% and all the other tax changes. Uh, on the retirement compensation arrangements, we're seeing business owners as well, but the RCAs have very, are very interesting that they can be used for executive groups. So you don't need to be a business owner to have an RCA. Yeah. And that flexibility is allow executive groups, severance, uh, professional athletes. So it kind of, we've seen the door open really wide on that side. So for those of you who are listening, some of you are driving your car and can't get all this information or, or keep it with you. If you would like more information on an RCA, a retirement compensation arrangement, or the individual pension plan, reach out to us at morethanmoneyradio.com. We are, we are 
focused on educating individuals and business owners on these types of strategies. These are huge tax saving strategies and great retirement programs as well. So give us a, a reach out on morethanmoneyradio.com and uh, just contact us and we'll be more than happy to share that information with you. Now, as we have to leave it there, I want to thank you for um, um, making this in a very short period of time understandable, and I think we'll get lots of people's attention. Thanks for your time today. Perfect. Thank you, guys. been joined by Navaz Kasim, who is the president of GBL uh, Incorporated. We've got a seminar coming up. We're going to be talking about retirement, right, and how to bulletproof it, the various vehicles you can use, proper structure, all of that. That'll be on Tuesday, January 22nd, 7 p.m. at the Crowfoot Co-op Wine, Spirits, and Beer. Now you need to reserve your seat, so give us a call, 966-8400. That's 966-8400, or go on our website to register at morethanmoneyradio.com. And don't go away. We're going to be talking about what you should be asking when you're thinking about what to do in retirement. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Um, and, you know, I want to just thank, first of all, all of our guests today. But, Faisal, you know, we talk a lot about the money. That's an important piece of retirement. We don't necessarily just talk about the, the happiness of it, right? So yeah. spending is one thing. Happiness doesn't necessarily equate to spending. So I sent a note out or a posted on my, on my personal Facebook and, and, and LinkedIn page, and, and I said, um, keeping up with the Joneses can cause havoc in retirement. Yeah. Just be happy. Yeah. Just be happy. I think there's a lot of pressure on people to number one, retire. Right. You're getting at that age. You should retire is what right. we hear. Right. Or how old are you? What are you going to retire? Or you're viewed negatively if you don't retire. Well, there must be some problem, right? You can't afford to do it, right? Correct. It's that ageism, That's, that that yep. that, uh, that impression of what it's what retirement's supposed to mean, right? Which is totally wrong and changing. Correct. Right? And then you also see individuals trying to keep up with the Joneses. Right. So I have friends, neighbors, whatever it may be that are doing a certain thing, they're retired, they're traveling, they're doing all this fun stuff, I need to do it too. Right. And they look like they're doing well. I've, I've got some money, I should be able to do it too. Well, everybody's friends are always richer than them. Like, it's, a, it's amazing, right? Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And it's, 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 it's not true, but and it's not even necessarily based on what the, you know, the individual you're talking to wants. And it doesn't matter. Right. And it really doesn't matter. <laughs> like, Dave, you're, you're wealthier than I am. I know that you've got more money than me. I don't care. <laughs> I really don't care. And, I, and and the reason why I can say that is because I know what happiness is for me. Right. And I think that's the key thing. Like, you and I will handle our retirements completely different. What you plan to do, what I plan to do are going to be night and day from each other. Right. But we're both going to be happy in retirement right. because we get to choose. And that's the beautiful part about retirement. I, we should change that word to financial independence. Right. You get to do the things you want to do, do when you want to do it. At the pace you want to do Correct. it. Correct. And I think that's what we're missing. And so when there's pressure of retirement, when there's pressure of I need income to support a certain lifestyle, the volatility of the markets like we're having right now magnify the fear. Right. It magnifies the issues that people have. When, And we've had conversations with many of clients who are concerned about this volatility. They're in fear. Um, it's very difficult to start bringing out the mathematics yeah, that's and talk an about yeah. logic or yeah. what's yeah. happened in the past or, you know, here's how the structure works. Right. Here's our four buckets. It doesn't matter about that when it comes time to fear because I think it's, you, you, you focus on one side of your brain and not, not the other side of your brain, which gives you the logic side. And during when other you're going to fight, flight, or, you know, freeze. Those are the three things you can do yeah. when, when, when there's a big issue in front of you. And that's where I see 
when people are trying to keep up with the Joneses, when people don't know what they're retiring to, they just need more. Right. They just need more, and they're going to take on more risk. They're going to do. They're going to make emotional decisions, yeah. which may not work out for them, and that causes a bigger problem. But you know, it's it's interesting. This issue of more. Um, uh, we've got we've got a range of families that we work with, and, and they have a range of different wealths, and everybody worries about the same thing. Correct. <laughs> yep. So when people say, "I just want more," well, okay. How would that change your life? What would so I, I'm going to go back to this planning, right? And it's this notion of. Uh, and we can cite lots of anecdotal evidence of clients who really have no reason to fear retirement. They're financially independent, but they may not have, um, they may not be clear themselves or as a couple what it is that makes them happy. Correct. What's contentment mean? Correct. Right? Um, and it will change, right? Like you say uh, regularly in our seminars, your view of retirement will change every couple of years. And there's lots of things in your life at that stage of life that will change the way you look at retirement. Correct. And that's okay. That's part of the process. That's normal. So right? I sat down with a couple that wanted a second opinion uh, this week, Dave, and um, I asked them, what's, what's the definition of happiness in retirement? Right. And they looked at each other, they looked at me, and they looked at each other, and, 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 and the wife said to me, well, I just want him to stop working. And I asked him, I go, is that your plan? And he goes, mm, well, it's what she wants me to do, so maybe. And I go, okay, well, back up here. Back up. That may <laughs> not be result. the right strategy. <laughs> Before you pull the pin on that one, right. you might want to investigate. So I made them do an exercise, right? 31 things you want to do in retirement. Right. And the each. First, each. Individually. Yep. Yep. Do not communicate your answers to each other right. until you've completed that list. Right. And then he asked one question. He goes, well, what do I write in those 31 things? And I go, that, exactly. <laughs> what you want to do. Yeah. What's important to you and what you're going to find out is what you value right. out of that, right? And so you're going to come up with things you can do together. Yeah, that's just, that's, I call it just passing time, right? right? It's things that you can do together. But what's your true definition of happiness? And in one of his responses when he was saying, well, I can think about traveling, but I also want to start up my own business. And she looked at him and she goes, what? I never knew that. Right. He just wants to explore the concept right. of running his own business, being right. his being in control of himself and his time. Right. And hey, maybe make a profit out of it too. Right. That's a different viewpoint. That's happiness for him. Right. And I'm not one to judge. I I, I I'm not living in his shoes. So right. I think that's a good thing. I think when we have these preconceived notions about what you should be doing based upon somebody else, and that could be right. somebody else's view. And I asked her, I said, Why do you want him to retire? Why don't you want him to work anymore? Oh, well, my father passed away when he was 65, so I don't want this to happen to my husband. Right. And that was the trigger. Right. It had nothing to do with the money. Right. had nothing to do with right. the concept of retirement. We had come across with these, these, um, this, these baggages that right. we bring into, a, into the concept of retirement, and that those fears kind of overbear the, the reality of what it should be. And doesn't, isn't that an interesting point, right? So when you start going um, beneath the surface response and asking about it, right, what came out of that conversation for her is really a health bucket conversation. So what if you explore, right, get a, get a proper health assessment, get that fear out of the way. He's fine. And then make lifestyle choices Correct. that support that. Now we've got contentment. And, and, and I, I, I had it in my back of my head. I never said this to her. And I should have said something like, well, what if he retires and then dies at 65? Right. The, the response is the same. The, right. You don't want your husband to die at 65. I right. get that. Right. But I don't think it's the work that's killing him. Right. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Well, it could be. I mean, it could be a stress issue. Could and, be, right? That's right, for sure. But there's that fear, and so we're bringing in our own baggage into that, into the, the retirement conversation, which also brings in a lot of misconceived notions about right. how money should be run, how things should happen, and that's 
when you have market volatility like we're having, that just magnifies it. It does. Let's go back to the 31 for a second because I want you to share um, your experience when you do these things. Do all 31 items necessarily or should they match? Absolutely not. Right. That's, I've never seen that happen. Right. And if it did, it would scare me. Right. I would probably start to cry <laughs> because it shouldn't. Right. It You're shouldn't. two individual people. You right. didn't meet because you do everything the same. Correct. Um, and, and you'll find that people write down things like, I'm going to go for a walk. Right. But then what are you going to do for the other, you know, 42 years of your life? <laughs> right. People are living 100 now. Like yeah. there's a lot of years in retirement. Right. So what are you going to do with the rest of your time? Right. And, and when you go through the 31 uh, uh things to do in retirement, it's usually the last 11 where your true values start to come out. Yeah, you're digging deep. Yeah, you're, you're digging deep at that point. Because you're, you're the, the, whatever the media or marketing has yeah. been pushed on you about what the, the glamour of retirement is usually right. comes out right out the get-go. Right. But the true meaning of what's important to you is usually in the last 11. So I challenge every single listener to, uh, to try doing that. 31 things you want to do in retirement. Have your significant other if you have one. Do it separately from you, and then compare your compare your responses to each other at the end, and you'll build a, a he list, a she list, and a we list, yeah. and then you can kind of figure out what you guys can do together and what you can do individually, and then what's most important to you. Right. And then let's take it one step further. So once you've got that list, if you've done it, and we'll take your word that you've done it, email us, call us, we'll send you a copy of our book, free. There we go. Right? Bulletproof your retirement. We'll give you the framework on how to take those 31 things, he, she, we, put it into a framework that allows you to be content and bulletproof your retirement. Beautiful. Love it. Okay, um, we've got to wrap it up, my friend. We've got a, a seminar coming up in January. Let's talk about that, and then we'll, uh, we'll close off another show. Yeah, we're going to talk about how you bulletproof your retirement on Tuesday, January 22nd, 7 p.m. at the Crowfoot Co-op Wine, Spirits, and Beer. You need to reserve your seat, so give us a call, 966-8400, or register online at morethanmoneyradio.com. All right, and a reminder that you can access any of our past segments on morethanmoneyradio.com, or you can have them do, uh, delivered directly to you. All you have to do is search for More Than Money CHQR on uh, Apple Podcast or your favorite podcast app. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of More Than Money on 770 CHQR. David Popovich and Faisal Carmeli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmeli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. David Popovich and Faisal Carmeli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmeli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.